established a world's record in the matter of keeping out of the law's clutches. The fact startles when presented thus nakedly and boldly. How was it possible? Why was it permitted? The charmed life theory falls like a shot's dag when the facts in the case are analyzed. And yet, out of nowhere rode these raiders. Into nowhere they rode away. Like mounting thunder they appeared, like melting mist they disappeared. After a raid and a robbery, and now and then an unsuccessful attempt at robbery, the hoofbeats of their horses failed swiftly into silence. Always there nowhere, in the case of Frank and Jesse James at any rate, opened for them at friendly gates. The sheriffs and marshals with their official posses, the impromptu posses of armed and enraged and outraged citizens, the Pinkertons and other able detectives, all failed to find the awesome and mysterious nowhere of the James boys. Jesse and Frank outwitted them all. William Quantrill, William F. Anderson, and George Todd were the wartime tutors of the two Jameses, two of the four youngers, Jim Cummins, and several of the other young men of western Missouri, who became outlaws on the border shortly after the war was ended for the rest of its millions of participants throughout the Great Republic. These youths who were graduated from war banditry into civic outlawry served under these leaders of irregular Confederate forces in Kansas and Missouri, chiefly in Missouri. Guerrilla warfare schooled them in violence. Some of them for about three years, other for perhaps about a year and a half, and one or two for a few months only, rode and fought, raided and robbed, slew and looted with Quantrill or Anderson or Todd. Quantrill quarreled with his lieutenants, or they with him, and long before the conflict closed, Bill Anderson broke away to lead a guerrilla outfit of his own, and toward the end, George Todd superseded Quantrill in chief command. Even the men who fought under Quantrill did not know his real name. To them, he was Charlie Quantrill. Quantrill told the men in his guerrilla outfit, sometimes called the Black Flag Brigade, that he was fighting. He claimed to be a Southerner, a native of Hagerstown, Maryland. His elder brother, he represented, lived in Kansas some years before the beginning of the war. The brother wished to go to California and invited William or Charlie to come out to Kansas and go with him. Charlie went, the brothers outfitted and started westward by way of the old Santa Fe Trail. Each had a wagon and a four-mule team loaded with supplies. A free Negro boy was taken along as a cook and hostler. One night, when the caravan was camped beside the Cottonwood River, a band of 32 Kansas Jayhawkers came along, killed Quantrill's brother, shot Charlie himself in leg and breast, robbed him and the body of the slain man, stole all the mules, wagons, and supplies, and carried off the Negro. The Jayhawkers, Quantrill said, left him for dead. For two days and nights, he watched beside his brother's body shooing off buzzards with feeble cries and feebler gestures. An old Shawnee Indian found him there, took the wounded youth to his shack, and nursed him back to life. Quantrill, so his story ran, vowed eternal vengeance against the Kansas people. He joined the company of Jayhawkers that had murdered his brother. From time to time, 
he managed to get one or another of the men separated from the rest. Then, bang, a bullet entered the exact center of the unsuspecting fellow's forehead. In this manner, Quantrill ran up, after several years of untiring effort, a tally of all but two of the marauding band, each victim being shot exactly in the center of the forehead, thirty to one. Many of the guerrillas conceived themselves to be fighting for vengeance. Relatives of many of them had been murdered or mistreated otherwise by Kansans in the border warfare over the free soil problem preceding the Civil War. They accepted Quantrell's tale gladly as partial justification for their own course in fighting under such a bloodthirsty leader. Because of his supposed wrongs and his desperate course in redressing them, Quantrill became their immediate and intimate hero. The guerrillas who survived the war continued to believe the Quantrill invention, for it was altogether that.